You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for checking out the Redux Church Podcast, a place for genuine conversation covering Scripture and the principles we glean from it. Now, here's your host. Welcome to our podcast today where we are in a conversation about the book of Acts. We're going to be going through from the beginning to the end, uh, chapter section by chapter section. I've got... uh, one great guy with me today, Tom Heinig. Tom, how are you? All right, I'm wow. doing well. Thank you for having me. Wow. So, okay. Also, I've got a second great guy. Yeah, there it is. Man, I'm oh. excited about this one, dude. Like, Axe, are you kidding me? I know. We've been on hiatus now for, for, for those who, you know, didn't miss us, that's fine. But I've missed doing this, so anyway, yes. I'm excited about it. We uh, went through the book of John, had a great time. I don't know, we had somewhere in the vicinity of 20 different folks that were a part of our uh, episodes there as we went through John uh, piece by piece from beginning to end, had a good time. It was so refreshing to go through and look at things in a different light. And uh, so here we are. Uh, Tom, you're uh, you're new to the podcast, so uh, give us three, four sentences quickly so people know a little bit about who you are. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me. It's uh, I am really excited. Like Jeremy said, uh, Acts is an amazing book. It's a life changer. So uh, I'm Tom Tom Heineg. I uh, actually grew up in Michigan. Uh, number of years I've lived in India, and oh, wow. uh, I graduated from Karis and then regional director. So over half the uh, Karis Bible colleges in um, in the United States. So and. Uh, now I'm just, uh, it's its amazing just being able to share the love of God and uh, really in, encourage people and to really seek who he is and who they are with him, them, awesome. him in them. You're my kind of guy. Uh, Jeremy, you Why, because say- you guys are up north? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Wisconsin and Michigan, we're, nice. uh, we're neighbors. Yeah. Uh, Big Jeremy, tell us something about Redux real quick. Redux, oh man, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm excited about this because we've got. Uh, I don't know if uh, probably by the time this airs, we're gonna we're gonna air this this week, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you hear it in the same week, we'll be a week away from uh, IRL 002, um, which really is the start of our monthly gatherings, um, where we're gonna have these kind of conversations like we have here, except we will be covering things other than scripture. Um, I mean, it'll be scripture based, of course. <laughs> we'll be covering, uh, you know, how to wire a home stereo because um, that's useful. No, but uh, it's it's really exciting. I, one of the things, you know, Tom and I actually were talking a little bit about this yesterday about, um, you know, churches a lot of times have all these different areas where people can serve and stuff. And, and a lot of that is technical. Um, and one of the things that we really wanted to focus on, I wanted to focus on, so I didn't really consult everybody else on this one, but uh, is to minimize the amount of places for people to volunteer for one reason, one reason only, so that we could really get them to volunteer on the relational level. You know, so like, for example, all wow. of our tech stuff has been very automated. Um, we can operate full blown with like two people, <laughs> which is in and of itself kind of, I just think that's kind of fun to watch and see Amazing. how that unfolds. But the cool thing is, is instead of having somebody, you know, hide in the music or worship team or hide in the the ushers or hide in these areas where they don't really, they feel like they're, they can be apart, but at arm's length. Mm-hmm. Now we're really just saying, hey, 
man, stop being arm's length. Let's let's be in a relationship with one another. And I think it starts with with creating an atmosphere where people are safe and not feeling yes. judged. You know, and and like you know, I don't know if we're going to get to it, and uh, well, we'll eventually get to it. But there's some scriptures and acts where I guarantee you that the three people talking are not going to agree with the end result of how we see that. And I think creating, like showing that safe place to disagree about yeah. scripture really starts to cultivate that and it permeates through the whole thing. So I'm, I'm really excited about moving into that kind of next chapter of what we're doing there. And, uh, and, and, you know, pun intended, the next chapter of Acts as well. I'll be excited. So, so should we decide to disagree ahead of time? No, gosh, self, no, so that's can, not as fun. So, so we can self-prophesy that way. Well, I just have a, you know what? I say that we're going to disagree. I've, I've been shocked a couple of times. In the book of John, I remember thinking of several occasions where it's like, oh, this is going to be a, a thunderstorm happen. And then all of a sudden it's like everyone's on the same page. And you thought, wow, you didn't say that to your congregation two weeks ago. <laughs> that's good. That's right. All so right. that's September 3rd, you said? Yeah, September 3rd. Okay. I didn't say, but thank you for helping okay. me uh, yeah. plug that better. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's And if they good. want to register for that event, they yeah, should. Yeah, just, just search Eventbrite. Uh, okay. You can also, of course, go to redux.church, and there's a link to, to do that. But um, yeah, we have registration on Eventbrite. If you haven't registered, show up anyway. Like, it doesn't matter. We can register you at the door, or don't register at all. I don't really care. It was really just so we can get some numbers and get an idea of who's going to be there. All right. Well, guys, how about we jump in? Let's do it. Acts chapter one. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Selah. All right. Well, that's awesome. We may only have uh, 11 verses there, but there's probably a number of things that we can just jump right in and get after. So uh, what, uh, what, what, do you, what do you take of, and, and you've heard me say this in other podcasts, Jeremy, uh, what what do you take of the significance of Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth? Does that mean anything specifically to you? Well, to me, I think of like a bullseye. <laughs> you know, it's like here, or or maybe maybe epicenter. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. So, like you think about earthquakes and how they ripple out, and it indicates to me a ripple effect of like this process. So it starts here, and and, and I think it's a type and shadow of even how 
God's work in our own lives happen. I mean, it starts in the innermost part of our being and it permeates outwardly. So it's like that inward change and out. And so the same thing you've got, you know, Judea, what, what is the order? Judea, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Judea, Samaria. Yeah. 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 I don't know most parts of the world. Um, I think too, as I hear that, I think what's really cool is, and I forget this sometimes, you know, cause you get d- diving in for me personally, I'm diving into specific areas. Like we just spent a year almost in John and you know, you kind of forget this. What a, what a great statement that, that Christ is making here. He's making it after the resurrection, which I don't know. It, there's no more credence before or after, except after the resurrection, I think you're like, Oh, well no, there's no doubt. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you have the different disciples even doubting throughout all of this time. And, but once he's risen, there's a sense of like everything he says is exactly man, like you're going to follow it. So, so that statement to me carries just more anecdotal weight that, you know, you're going to, he's going to change the world. You know, uh, at the end of Matthew, uh, all we have recorded is make disciples of all nations. And so we get here to the ascension and suddenly we have a little broader perspective. So it's like, okay, here's the big picture, guys. Okay, here I'm giving you specific instructions. Go here next, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to this place and and come out from there. Uh, Tom, you're looking at me like you got a thought. Go ahead. Oh, man. There are a lot running around. But you know what really stuck out to me was the go. Mm. is so many times, you know, I think Jeremy and I were talking about it even yesterday. You know, we think build it and they will come, but it doesn't say have them come. I love yeah. I love that 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 thing that we we were talking about is just it's about going and going out and just sharing that love and uh, in everywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at. Again, that that example of the ripple effect. You know, we are that ripple that is going out. We're going and we're we're um, we're just sharing, sharing uh, his love, you know, as I'm excited to even get further on if we, if we do. But uh, um, being able to really, uh, I guess, see that we are, are just, mm, we are him, you know, he is in us. And, and again, with that power, I know you're talking about the, the different, the different cities, different countries and stuff like that, but we are to, to truly go. So I'm just, uh, I am just sort of caught up on the two letters. So when you were telling us about yourself in our intro, uh, you mentioned you spent some time in India in ministry. (laughs) So did you go to India and then start ministering or where did that ministry start? Okay. Um, well, I was when I was in the, in India, I, what I was doing is I was actually running a tool and die shop. Okay. And a plastic injection okay. over there. And in south, southern India, about 12 degrees off the equator. So the heat around here. Nothing. Yeah, is pretty, pretty much the same where the heat didn't seem to be coming from the top. It's coming from the ground. You know, and so, um, so to say all that, it was really fun because uh, you could you could minister to people. The only thing was is uh, um, they do have a lot of gods. They yeah. I think they say they've got like two million gods, Oof. and that's because everybody sort of makes you know it's whatever God is to them. And so, 
uh, you know, sorry to say is we don't say that, that they're a God, but we do that here. We've yeah. got called things called denominations and stuff. Mm. We won't go there. But, no, I, I'm always game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be able to share, and people just want it. But um, <clears throat> again, the, uh, they, they know it's right. But because of tradition, because of family and stuff like that, they won't accept just Jesus. They want Jesus, but they won't accept just as as just him as okay. the Savior. And so, and again, it's nothing bad about the people or anything like that, uh, because they do, they have a great love. Uh, and so, um, as far as the ministry, it was, it was a lot of fun to be able to share. Okay. Uh, the, the, what's you know when you're talking about go it just it hit me because I've been on this bandwagon for almost my whole life I never understood when I first got into church work which was 27 years ago um, I remember something never made sense to me I heard the pastor say we need to get people in the church so we can get people saved and when he said that I thought that doesn't make sense to what I've read you know and again I was they should have never put me on staff because I had been saved for three years and I was on full-time staff ministry at that point. You're like, that eh, just, okay. I read it later going, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> You're saying they didn't properly indoctrinate well, you before they put you on staff. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, that that's not what I was saying, but I like what you said. That's good. I was going with the scripture about being, you know, Satan coming and messing with me. But anyway, uh, that's a whole other, another day. But my point is, I remember thinking to myself, what, what what about that makes any sense? Again, scripturally, everything is about going. Everything is about um, going to the, it's going. Jesus never, he, he didn't say, guys, bring me a bunch of people so we can minister to them, yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And then when we look at the stories, and I've said this many times, but uh, we wouldn't have a Bible if it was written just about, I mean, at least the gospels, if it was written about what happened at the destinations. I mean, I say that, I'm sure plenty of things happen, but my point is, is all of the scripture that we read in the Gospels is almost entirely journey-based things. What happened on his way to somewhere? I mean, of course, there's things that happen at a house, you know, or whatever, but but it's just so important to recognize that, that uh, Christians are really nomadic in their ministry. At least the example we have is that. Um, which is another reason, actually, you know, even knowing you guys are from the north of the country, just the fact that you, you know, Wayne, you've talked about this with me, that you've been in Oklahoma for a long, long time, majority of your life, or at yeah. least, yeah. yeah, and yet you still consider Wisconsin home. Yes. And I think that's awesome. I think it's a beautiful reality. I, I lived in Pittsburgh for a couple of years in Pennsylvania, and... I remember wanting to get back there for years and years and years and then realizing that, you know, my home's Oklahoma. It's doesn't matter where I go or what I do. And, but home, when we talk in those terms, I think it really kind of puts some things into perspective because going and doing what the Lord has you do, it does, it's not a sense of I've abandoned my home. It's a sense of uh, really, to me, it's, it's accomplishment in a lot of ways. It's like, I'm not just sitting home, right? I'm, yeah. I'm out going and doing um, and so I, I, you know, I know we're talking about just this very beginning thing where Jesus is giving them instruction, which, you know, overlaps with the end of John as far as giving some of that instruction. But, um, but man, as Tom was just saying that it just resonated again with me, how important it is. And I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying here. It's like, I'm not saying that everyone has to go out 
and and become this radical evangelist that tell you know walk into Seven Eleven and say, "Do you know Jesus?" That's uncomfortable. But what is, I think, completely reasonable for everybody is within the relationships you form, let Christ permeate what you're doing. You know, don't hide that light, but be that light. And and in fact. I think that's part of the things that we miss. Evangelism starts with relationship. And I think we've just gone out in our own mind thinking, okay, we just got to go find a stranger and share Jesus. Well, let me just tell you, the more close you become to somebody, the more one, Jesus is going to be seen in your life, uh, assuming you, you know he's in there, yeah. <laughs> which is a whole other discussion. But, but, but I think the thing is it's safer. It's far safer. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you're going out on a limb like an evangelist would, a true, like, you know, fivefold version of an evangelist um, because you're not talking to a stranger. You're talking to somebody who you already have a relationship with, presumably who you love, if for no other reason than Christ first loved you. So the word here is saying start in Jerusalem, which is what was home for them. Start start where you are. Start where you live. Uh, you bump into people most often <laughs> in the area in which you live. Yeah. But eventually you get to places like Tom got to India mm-hmm. and he's bumping shoulders with people in India. Um, what, what I, you know, I made a mention of, of Matthew 28. Uh, uh, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Well, a Jesus who, who was always on the go, always yes. bumping into people is has authority. He's saying he got his authority from the Father. But because of the lifestyle he lived, he had authority to say, go into all the world. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure. You you sort of made mention of it, of it Tom. Uh, so many pastors don't go because all their ministry is inside their four walls. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, um, you know, it is. It's It's an important job. Uh, to to be a pastor, but I, you know, it's, you know, for some reason while you guys were talking, it just keeps coming up that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And when you and when you care for people, you go and you help them. You go and you do things. So and and I think that's what's important about um, for pastors is to go out and reach out. I mean, I remember being young and having, you know, you go to church once and then all of a sudden a week or so later, the pastor's knocking on your door saying, Mm -hmm. hey, it was nice to see you that you came to our church and stuff like that. And it was like, that really meant something. I mean, people sort of laugh about that now. It's like, you can't do that. You know, you're, you're a different religion or whatever like that, but it's showing that you care and, and, and um, and you want to meet them where they're at. Isn't that what Jesus? The whole mm-hmm. thing was is Jesus met them where they're at, and so that's that's really um, that. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you're getting there. Um, in, in, in verse three, it says that that he's appeared with them during forty days, and I like this piece speaking about the kingdom of God. Yeah, he he wasn't yeah. saying you know, hey, gather everybody up into the church. He's, he's talking about the, the kingdom, and then he's talking about them going out into the world. And, and the kingdom is, is not inside four walls. The kingdom is the whole world. And, and we have a responsibility, I think, 
uh, to, to, I made a Facebook post this morning. I don't know if you saw it or not. I don't follow you. Are you kidding me? I, I know. Well, <laughs> you should, you'd learn something. <laughs> nice. I, I shared a post of a, of a guy that, that I know. And, uh, what he's saying is that the church has become about taking care of the overhead and it's right. not about taking mm. care of ministering to people. Yeah. And, and I saw that come up this morning, and I knew what we were going to cover in the first chapter. And I'm going, that is exactly it. It's, it's, it's not about going into the world and retrieving monies for the overhead. It's about going into the world and ministering to real people, real life. Well, yeah. and you guys know me well enough to know I have no problem indicting pastors on certain things. But I would, I would make this point here that this is a call to everyone. It is not a call simply to church leaders or yes, anybody yes. else. And, and I think that, that when you, if we're going to put blame on a lack of the world knowing, if there is such a thing, <laughs> you know, if we're going to do something like that, I mean, there's far more people who are not pastoring than people who are. And so, you know, I think that the key to this is recognizing that our own personal responsibility isn't something we've got to go try and execute. It's just something we've got to naturally do. And the more that we realize that we're designed for that, yes, that it it's not something that becomes a burden. And, and, and that's what I see. I mean, I think of people, I always use my wife as an example because she's, she's uh, what people would consider introverted, quiet, reserved, whatever. Now, if you get to know her, if you're in her closer circle, which is forced upon her by her husband, who is a far more <laughs> out there dude. You think but, so? <laughs> but once you once you get to that place with her, she's very talkative. She's got, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's a sweetest human on the planet. But she that's is. the whole point. If you if you burden her and say, Lori, you need to go out and win people to Jesus, that's that's truly gonna be a burden. Now, when you start recognizing, does she win people to Jesus? Absolutely. I know of people who are at her work that, um, and she just works in an office with a bunch of ladies uh, who came in having, at best, a peripheral relationship with God, at best. Um, And I know of one I'm thinking of right now, I'll just keep her name out, but that I saw a 180 degree turnaround, not because of Lori going in saying, thus saith the Lord, because Lori was there representing the Lord without ever, they look at her in the midst of crisis and how she handles it. And it becomes this example. And and I think that that's the thing we have to understand when we just, we permeate Jesus. And of course, this is why he set it up that way. Why would he put it in the hands of humans to screw up? No. He, it's in his hands. He lives inside of us. And I think that's yeah. the huge difference between yeah. New Testament and Old Testament. Old Testament, it's God with us. New Testament, it's God in us. Yes. And and that distinction is what makes all the difference in the world. That felt like a mic drop moment for me. So, <laughs> I got so excited for so a second. So we're just bumping that's into good. people and letting what's in us spill out. Yes. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you, if you got a good sale on fruit, you're going to tell people about it. Right, because you're excited about it, and when you get excited and you get that relationship of of who he is, and 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 again that power, he talks about that power coming with the Holy Spirit. You know that gives you the ability um, to to go out there and and to share the love again. To me, the the words like uh, it might not be good for this podcast, but uh, we'll take it. <laughs> um, what is the kingdom of God? Mm. You know what is it? So it's here and now. Yeah, it's everywhere. 
It's all things. It's the nature and character of the king manifested among his people. That's the kingdom of God. Yeah. My That's definition. Good. Yeah. I'll say that. Could say that again. It's the nature and character of the king manifested among his people. That's awesome. And we're part of that. And that's what Jesus was sharing with us. Those were the last words that Jesus was sharing. He was talking about the kingdom. Mm. That's good. Not about the offering. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, it was. That's my mic drop moment. You mean that's, that's, that's a good one, yeah. Woo. Aren't they aren't right. supposed to be the any, least? <laughs> any other thoughts on, on these first 11 verses? <laughs> All kinds. Are we ready to? No, we're good. We only got five minutes. Are we going to the next verses? Yeah, we can make it. All right. All right. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, uh, the scripture uh, brothers and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akadelma, that is, field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who had accompanied him us accompanying us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. <laughs> they picked a world-renowned name that we hear so much about in Scripture, Matthias. <laughs> You're going to laugh at what I what stuck out to me about this every time. All right, go ahead. I'm good for a laugh. <laughs> I, I mean, here's the funny thing. So there's a couple couple layers to this, uh, and it's going to make people mad, but that's all right. So um, I've heard it said that gambling is sinful, and they always say it's because the soldiers cast lots for Jesus's clothing. Yeah. <laughs> and here, here these cats cast lots to determine who the next apostle was going to be to replace <laughs> Judas. Which one has has more weight to it? Not to mention the fact that literally, I mean, if you read this in a in a literal sense, it's like, okay, they prayed, God, we're about to throw these dice. Let your will be done in throwing the dice. So they didn't even come up with the answer. They cast lots and it was Matthias. <laughs> now that's just a little I mean that's Jeremyism. That was good. I mean, come on. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Any any deacons or elders in your experience, uh, Tom, that have been chosen by lots? 
Probably. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't know it. Actually, it was more like, hey, they're breathing. They're walking down. Yeah, right. You need to do this. No, it's probably more like they have they have a good income, <laughs> and they're a two income family. There it is, and they've been here yeah. for two years. Let's yeah. get them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I just I mean, like I said, it just you know, of course one I like the idea that they replaced replaced Judas. I think that that says something interesting about the process because there was no there was no mandate that said you have to replace him except for the scripture that they quoted that you know and they yeah. replaced it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Too, but but it did. It stuck out to me their process because we're very anti, you know. In in today's Western church, we just aren't good with people. What we say is throwing out a fleece, you know, through, mm-hmm. and, which is similar to what this end result is. It's this idea of saying, "Hey, I'm not going to make this decision. I'm going to put some things out there, and whatever happens is is how God's going to move." But the irony is, in many ways, that's that's how God did things, especially in the Old Testament. I'm thinking of Gideon's army right now, where. Um, he had all these people and he's like, no, have your guys go down there and drink and whoever laps it up like dogs, we're leaving it. Whoever cups it in hands, that's who's going to, that we're going to take. Now, <laughs> I think what he's saying is those guys are dumb. Those guys are smart. It's much more efficient to do this, but you see what I'm saying? Like there's this, <laughs> there's this process sometimes that the Lord does. And, and I think in fairness, I would say that they could absolutely have been led to do it that way. But the other thing that's relevant about this point in time is the Holy Spirit still has not yet come. So they don't have Bingo. the Holy that's Spirit in them Bingo. in this process. <laughs> All right. You got us to where I, where I thought we needed to get to. Just to make uh, sure everybody's more comfortable. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> oh, Tom, you got any final thoughts on, on chapter one here? Yeah. Um, again, I, I think this, especially this last section was really important to, um, uh, that they picked from the ones that were following. Mm. And so it was their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so that's who they were gambling. Right. Well, and they couldn't have made, they couldn't make a bad choice with, you know, when they narrowed yes. it down, it's like, and well, that's, that's just, and, yeah. and that's just it. I mean, how many times do we, let like uh, this or that, you know, it's, either one's good. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, no, I, and, um, but it is, I think, before the Holy Spirit came and, you know, and now we can actually communicate with him. And uh, so that that is uh, real important. But again, that whole thing of choosing your leaders, making sure that they are uh, really um, following, mm-hmm. following what the scriptures say. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, our like time has come. We're going to have to roll up. Jeremy, do you got a final statement to make? No, but I want to pray. Okay. Unless you want to pray. No, go ahead. Father, thank you so much for this time together. And we just ask that all those who are listening to this are encouraged and empowered to uh, dive deeper into your scriptures and to seek you, to hear your voice. And uh, just pray that as all of this time, as we continue on uh, with this study, that you speak revelation to us and uh, that we see something maybe we've never seen before. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, tune in next week, and we'll pick up in Chapter 2. We'll look forward to seeing you then. God bless.